This is the Bates Bobcast, our weekly podcast where we take a look at the week that was in Bates Athletics. My name is Aaron Morrison. This week we're checking in with a trio of Bobcat head coaches about how the fall practice season is unfolding. Needless to say, they've gotten very creative. That's coming up on the Bates Bobcast. Danny Ryder Kogut is in her eighth season as the head coach of the Bates Field Hockey Program and has a young team this year, with only two seniors currently on campus. Coming off the best NESCAC season in team history, the Bobcats are using this fall with practices but no games to build for the future. So far, I think it's gone very well. Um, I think that we have felt really grateful just to be out on the field and getting to train together. Um, and at this point, we are all in the same field at the same time, even though we still can't do contact, we're still able to get through a lot of different concepts. And for us, our main goal is just to leave this fall with an understanding of Bates field hockey for everyone. And that includes our new um, first year Bobcats and for them to leave feeling like they understand our game strategies, they understand who we are as a program, so that when they return next fall, um, they're a step ahead of that next incoming first year class instead of feeling like almost repeat first years because they've missed this fall. So that's our primary goal as a program and our team's really dedicated to helping those first years figure out those nuances that make our program what they are. Yeah, I mean, for the seniors, that's got to be an interesting situation for them, you know, because they're looking, they have to look for kind of the greater good for the program going forward a little bit, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, we ha- we did have one senior who deferred. Um, so Els is really holding down the fort as our returning senior. Um, and she's doing a really great job of, I think, like you said, looking at it for the greater good and really dedicating a lot of her time and keeping that consistency as an elite athlete and training just like everyone else's training um, and really setting a good example. And then we have a returning senior who didn't play last year, Lindsay, who's also with us this fall. And she's just another great person to have on the team and to kind of set um, that example of, of doing something for a program beyond yourself. So tell me about the team captains this year. Who are they and how are they leading the way along with you, obviously? Yeah, so Els is one of our team captains. Um, Emily Genunzio was voted a tri-captain, but she has deferred for this semester. Um, and then Ashton Bale, junior, is our third captain. And they've just been really great at keeping the team's positive momentum moving forward um, and really setting a great example of whether we're here off campus or, you know, anywhere in between as, as mods change, that we're still a team and we really need to be working towards those goals of 2021 now. Um, our team did a ton of work setting goals for the 2020 season, which I think were hard to see not not even attainable because they're goals that we can't we can't reach with the current circumstances but they've kept a really good positive attitude about it all and now they're really setting those sights on 2021 and for somebody like Els who isn't going to be able to be here in 2021 I think she's just doing a tremendous job of not having that be part of her um, conversation with the team or kind of where she goes she's very much about making sure the team's prepared for that season the best she can. Great. And then um, the season of giving, I've noticed uh, the field hockey Instagram has been very active. Tell me about that and what's been going on there. Yeah. So our team just really wanted to do something meaningful this fall. And we have several team values and, 
and definitely giving back to our local community has been something that our team has done quite a bit. Um, we've either worked with the Harvard Center or we've done some initiatives on our own. So it's been a huge part of our program for as long as I've been here and something that we really take a responsibility for. And so we thought it was a great way to have almost like um, not a competition each week, but something to look forward to of what what organization we were going to highlight, putting together that an Instagram video to post and just having something that each week our team could kind of talk about and make special for the week. Excellent. And you, you touched on this earlier, but the drills you're doing from a coaching perspective, this is obviously a challenge you probably never have had before. How have you gone about putting together the plan each day for the team? Um, it's definitely a lot of preparation. And I'll say that we, we've been really fortunate where sports medicine has been really receptive of running drills by them. We've had one of the sports medicine staff come out to a practice to check out a drill because we were trying to think of a creative way to work on a certain part of the game. And it was nice just for them to give it the go ahead and, and let us continue with that drill. Um, obviously making sure that it was within the, the guidelines. So it's definitely taken some creativity. It's taken some collaboration um, and just kind of bouncing ideas off of sports med, but overall, you know, I think it's been really positive because we've, we've been able to step back and think about the parts of the game that we don't often have the luxury to think about in the season because we're such in a preparation mode of preparing for this opponent or that opponent or, um, or looking at our game play from the game before and kind of editing it and saying, okay, we need to improve here. And this was actually strong. And, you know, so it's just such a different season. We rarely have the time just to focus on field hockey as it is and really break down the sport and, and enjoy the sport in a very different way. So because I think our team has done a good job of taking that mindset and not getting caught up in the, I wish we were playing or, or anything like that. We've actually had a lot of fun just working on our skills in a, in a way that's entirely different because you don't have somebody to beat tomorrow. Well, I was going to say, yeah. Cause like, you know, coaches always often talk about, you know, we're focusing on ourselves, not on the upcoming opponent. Well, that's, that's never, never more true than this year, right? I mean, it is all about the team itself. Yeah. And even when you say that, you know, even when you say, oh, we're focusing on ourselves and not on your opponent, you're focusing on your game strategy, right? Which, which yeah. is dictated by, by opponents in some way. Mm -hmm. And so it really, truly is such a different experience for them to just play field hockey, to just work on skills and to just um, be together and work on our team dynamic. It's so different. And of course we would, we would love to be competing, but it's kind of this nice little blessing where we really get to work on a lot of great stuff that sometimes we don't get to work on in a traditional season. And, you know, you actually made the point. Yeah. There's, there's only two seniors um, who are on campus uh, mm -hmm. right now. And, and so that's, that's actually, it's kind of good. You have such a young team in this particular circumstance, right? Because they can look at the future. Yeah, definitely. Um, they really can look at 2021 and they can set their sights on that. And it's been a great, fall so far of our, our current captains are doing a great job of leading, but then also opening up the door, I think for leadership voices to come out because we don't have those games to prepare for. And so I think that's been hugely important too, of they are young. And so this is an opportunity for some of them to grow in those roles without a season. Excellent. Well, any other thoughts on the fall so far you wanted to share? We haven't got to talk about yet. 
I think our team just keeps on saying like, we're so grateful to be back on campus and not to be one of these schools where, where maybe they shut down or went completely remote or partially remote. And just the opportunity to be together is a huge win for us. Um, you know, I think, I think you could say, oh, this would be nice and that would be nice and, and try to add on to that. But we're really just trying to stay with what we have um, and appreciate what we have. And we definitely are enjoying our time on campus so far and finding creative ways to, to stick together as a team and to, to get some work done. All right, Danny Ryder Kogut, thank you so much for joining us on the Bobcast. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Aaron. Peter Steenstra is in his 13th year as the head coach of the national powerhouse Bates Rowing Teams. The Bobcats saw their spring season canceled and haven't competed in almost a full calendar year. Many things have changed, but the Bobcats press on. It's been a pretty wild jigsaw puzzle for, for me and for Mitch, the other coach. Uh, we've got 100-plus bodies, and to try to get them out into the seven or eight singles that we own, um, just so that people can get on the, out on the water once or twice, or if we're lucky, three times a week. But the water, weather has to cooperate, and you know nothing can really go wrong with equipment. If one boat goes down, like a broken piece or something happens to it, then then that reduces us from eight people on the water three or four times a day to seven people on the water. So very quickly you you start to cut into the number of bodies you can actually get out there. How do you, as a coach, uh, adjust how you're? instructing them kind of in terms of like, cause they're, they are in the boat either by themselves or with their roommate. Right. I mean, like I'm sure that changes yeah. things massively from a technical standpoint and everything. It does because it, it, it's, it's kind of gone into almost a learn to row because what we do is we race eights and we sometimes train and sometimes race in fours, but those are, it's a sweep boat and sweep means each person has one oar and you know, it's a big crew and you're working together and it's very aggressive and loud and, the boat's really screaming along. Whereas what we're doing now, you're on your own in a single, you now have two oars and some people just haven't learned to scull yet. So we're spending a lot of time with boats. Boats are out there flipping and we're right there to get them back into the boat. And that's just, that's part of the sport. It's like falling down in hockey. You know, you, you no one goes to play hockey and never falls down. Um, so in, in rowing, if you're going to be a sculler, then you're going to be out there in a boat that's 18 to 20 inches wide and in 30 feet long. And every now and then the thing flips over. So, wow. So that's interesting. So no matter how much experience you have in like an eight, it's a whole different ball game. I guess when you're in, in, out there by yourself, I mean, what, what yeah. makes it that way you touched on it a little bit, if you could elaborate a little bit more, I guess. Well, just being that it's a single. So yeah, it, an eight person boat is, is 60 feet long and it's whatever, 20, eight inches wide or something. So it's much, much wider, but either way, you're all tied together. The oars are 13 feet long and it's a giant, giant boat. It feels like a bathtub in comparison to being in a single, in which case it's a lot more like being on a tightrope. Mm. Um, and so you go, when the, when the blades are in the water, you're close to 20 feet wide, right? From the tip of one blade to the tip of the other blade and you're 30 feet long. But as soon as those blades come out of the water, you're 18, maybe 16 inches wide because that's all the hull that there is and you're sitting on top of it. You're not even really in a boat. Your, your seat is, is elevated. You're kind of sitting on top of the boat. It's just a very, very different um, form of the same, same element that we do with, with rowing. It's, they're, they're made to go very fast in a very straight line. Um, 
and they're not not made to be in really rough water and and, it, and it's something that you have to, to learn how to do. Sure. It sounds like um, the rollers are definitely learning some new skill sets, huh? Yeah, they are. We, we have a lot of people that come to us with sculling backgrounds. So they're, they're proficient. They're very good at it to begin with, but it's a good thing for anyone else to do who hasn't done it before. Um, it's almost like a, it's almost like learning to swim. Really. It's a good life lesson. It's riding a bicycle, you know? Everyone falls off the bike first, but usually we learn to ride a bike when we're six or seven, right? Whereas any people who are learning to ride their ride a bike at 18, um, most likely they're just going to fall down a lot. And <laughs> that's what it is to learn rowing, sculling. Interesting, interesting. And so um, a lot of erg work, I'm, I assume, also going on as well, it looks like, right? It is. Um, you know, as we've gone through the whole re-socialization stuff, that was what we were able to do at the, at the beginning. Again, small groups, and we were kind of spread out over three spaces, and we only have 24 machines, and we have 100 people to get in there. We're trying to maintain some semblance of team aspect, um, but we still had to have be in pods, and um, it, it was just a, a challenge, right? But we weren't cleared to be on the water for a little while so we had to we had to just get to that point that we could get out there and once we were able to get on the water that became much more of a focus you know because we're i don't want to say that we're not trying to improve and we're not trying to get stronger we're not trying to get ready for racing at some some day in the future right because we are but mostly we're in we're in recreational mode we're in uh, um you know, we, we want to make sure people are mentally healthy and balanced and in a good place. And when they go to practice, it's to relieve some stress and, and get one little bit of normalcy that they can find. And, and being out on the river can provide that. Sure. And for you, I know you're uh, once again um, in the Real Men Wear Pink initiative. You're one of the one of the leaders kind of there. Tell me about when did you first start getting involved with this program? And obviously that is something that you do every fall and doing it again here, right? Yeah. So this was my fifth year doing it. Um, they had approached me five years ago. It was through people that I knew from uh, that were a part of the uh, American Cancer Society, the, the main chapter. And I knew them actually from high school, <laughs> from a lot longer before that. Um, and they were just trying to locate some various men in various roles around the state and all kinds of industries. And, and our team, they wanted to find someone that connected to one of the colleges. And so anyway, that, that's how it came to be, but I was excited to do it. And I was excited to be invited to do it. It's been, uh, you know, there's been a lot of fun involved in this process. It's a serious thing that we're trying to do and trying to raise $70,000 as a group, um, meaning the ambassadors or the, the men's, the main chapter is trying to raise 70 grand. But more importantly, I think the, um, the men of the team have really taken it on. They enjoy doing it. And, you know, they, they raised nearly $1,400 out here on campus just through Venmo and quick donations from students and, and a few faculty or staff members that might've gone by, but they were just standing out in front of gray cage and commons and they were able to bring in 1400 bucks. So it's, it's a good way for them to participate in something. They're acting as a group, as a team, but 
their purpose is for something completely other than what they do as athletes. You know? So I think it's a valuable thing for them and, and allows them to, to give back to the community that they're a part of now. Certainly. Well, um, how have you kind of leaned on maybe some of your captains or student leaders in the group to help, you know, you know, you mentioned, you know, making sure everyone's, you know, in a good spot in terms of mental health and everything in, a, in this difficult time. I'm sure some of your leaders have been key with that, right? It's been a challenge, you know, when they can't even gather at dinner time, right? Because really the commons was where the social aspect of our sport, and just like any other team, I think, being able to sit around in commons and, and get a meal and then hang out there for an hour or two or more and just really have those conversations that only come about with teammates who have this shared challenge that they are all a part of. And then, you know, kind of wanting that, that connection, that social life that isn't something in the evening hours. You know? So it was, uh, it's been a challenge for them to, try to recreate that. I know they did like a scavenger hunt around campus with everyone being like in small groups and they were socially distant and they did a lot of things like that to try to organize ways for the, the team to get together, which is obviously they could never stand in one place at one time. We have not been right. a team since March, you know, so it's been very hard, you know, from that standpoint, but the captains are, yeah, it's in a way it's their job right now is to do what they can, however they can, to keep this, this program, that, which makes up, which is from two teams. How do we keep this program together as a whole and weather this storm? You know, that's, that's on them. Well, tell us a little bit about your captains this year. Who are, who are they and everything? Oh man, now it's a test. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I've got, I've got six. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Three on either side. Um, so you get Kevin Downing and Aiden Temperino. They're, they're, um, the two seniors on the men's side, and then Steven Sparks is a, is a junior. So those guys have, have done well. Um, on the women's side, you get, they're all seniors, Emma York, Sailor Struger, and Hannah Beams. Um, and they've, I, and by the way, I'm impressed with myself that I got all their first names. <laughs> um, but you know, it's, a, it's a very diverse group. We, when we did the voting for captains um, back there in, in March when we had our, our you know, surprise exit from campus and everything. We, we wanted that to be done right away. And we wanted to have more captains than usual, just because we knew that the burden was going to be great. And we needed to have as many personalities that we could, could get together. And the voting was very clear. So it wasn't like I had to, we didn't have to find a third captain. It was very clear that who the third captains were um, in every case, but um, they've done a good job. It, it, it's, totally uncharted waters and none of us have been here before. So we've been able to talk a lot between the captains and the coaches and just knock ideas around. And, and I'm there to, to say, well, that's great, except because you have to make sure that we're following every single rule that's out there and, right. and they've all adapted to it right away, but they've done a good job. I think. I'm curious. Have you talked to other coaches within the rowing, you know, world about how they're dealing with it? Um, yeah, I've spoken to a lot of coaches, both at, at uh, D3, not to mention even club teams or, or some of the Division One, like Ivy League folks. We've, we've had conversations with everybody. Everyone's in very different situations. Um, some of the schools are far more strict even than we are. 
And then obviously there are plenty that are much more lax or their interpret their, their interpretation of the rules is different or whatever state they're in maybe allows for a little more leniency, you know, whatever. Yeah. What we do is what we can do. And, and um, the, we talked to the, to our rowers constantly about it saying, if there was something more we could do, we would figure out how to do it. Um, and, you know, just ask, uh, Nick or Jason or Celine, and, and you know that I'm I'm constantly asking the next question. You know, thank you for that. Now, now can we do this? And, and you know, so they've I'm sure they're getting tired of getting emails from me. But like, all I can do is just keep asking, right? And, and we're, yeah. we're doing what we can. You mentioned one of your captains, Aiden Temperino, who's a coxswain. Coxswains yeah. in particular, yeah. What, what can they do? Anything at all? I mean, that's tough. There's only two of two coaches right now. So yeah. Me and Mitch, because uh, you know Haley, who was a great assistant coach for a couple of years there, and she moved off to another big job. Um, so we're happy for her. But you know, with the hiring freeze, we're kind of what we are for now. And the cap, uh, the Coxons have had to take on that role of of very much being the coach of a of an erg room, for instance. Mm. So when we do our erging sessions. These, there's the erg room, there's the multi-purpose room, and then there's a, a bunch of ergs that we have outside or, or on the indoor tennis court area. And so there's a coxswain or two at each of those locations um, just kind of running the session. So that's that's what they've been kind of put in charge of. We, we've met with them a, a few times in small groups and just said that you have to always keep in mind that you are one foot closer to being a coach than to being a rower and make sure that you understand that you're wearing your coaching hat when you're standing there, making sure the masks are on or, you know, making sure people aren't gathering too closely or whatever it may be, or, or when we switch groups, there can't be too much of an overlap. Um, it's all that kind of small stuff that they understand that they have that role. Well, rowing with the mask, I imagine is a challenge just from uh yeah. That's not something you're familiar with. I'm sure no one is, right? Oh. No, only if you were doing a true like VO2 max test where you uh -huh. would have a face mask on and a, it's measuring every bit of oxygen coming out of your lungs but or the volume of air. Um, no, it's not ideal, but they've adapted to it. And uh, since we're out on the water, um, you know, they're wearing them out there as well, even all around the boathouse and carrying oars and stuff and uh, it, i think the harder part is being in the erg room because mm. the air circulation in there is to is poor to begin with but then to have to try to exert yourself over a 45 minute or 60 minute piece is pretty difficult to do even even when we have tailored them down you know we haven't done one hard workout this year mm. so far you know we haven't done anything hard it's been all kind of low heart rating sort of stuff, longer longer distance work, um, just because you can't you can't work them too hard with a face mask on. Right. Well, any other thoughts about the fall? And um, obviously, we're taking this day by day. But any goals you have in your mind of you know what you want to see? Uh, I mean, sounds like everyone's learning how to skull at least. But I mean, any, yeah. any other thoughts? I guess you wanted to mention. No, I mean this is work, what is today Tuesday here, and yeah. this is. Normally I'm leaving on Friday to go to the head of the Charles. And this is the first time in 20 some years that I'm, I'm not driving South on Friday to go to Boston. So that it's for me personally, that's 
already been kind of a weird adjustment to make, um, but that's just one of many <laughs> over this over the cat, uh, past eight months or so. My goal for the team, um, you know, we've talked quite a bit. I, I would say from about how this how this is going to unfold at the end. You know, where we've always used this metaphor of climbing a mountain, and it's it's something that really works. It resonates well. It, it, there's no two ways. You, you're not going to repeat climbing the mountain the exact same way when you lose your seniors at the end of one year and you bring in a whole new class of first years. And But you have that experience in the middle of the group that helps to lead the, the new people up this mountain. Well, the problem now is, you know, if we go a second spring season and not having gone to a spring race um, for two, two solid years, then we have almost nothing to carry us over, right? So we have very little continuity, very little tradition. The traditions get thin, the expectations start to get thin. So what I'm mostly talking about is we have to, we're kind of in the dark, we're in this dark tunnel and we're moving forward. We can't even really see the light yet, but we just have to make sure we're not stopping and sitting here because nothing's gonna happen. We have to move forward with whatever we can. And as long as we're able to do that, no matter how slowly we move forward, as long as we can do that as a group and keep people invested in what's happening just as a matter of course and as a part of the general program or our general operation, if we can do that, then we will come out of that tunnel eventually and we will come out at a very good speed, a very good place. And that's ultimately what we want to have. We know that we're going to come out someday. Right. right? That is going to happen. So it's a matter of doing the small things now that create that, not just an atmosphere, but maintaining our routine of training and having purpose behind the work that we're doing is really what's going to be the difference in the end. Tyler Shake is in his third year as the men's soccer team's head coach. Last year saw a Bobcat team loaded with 17 first years match the program record for NESCAC wins in one season. Tyler, you know, obviously you kind of knew few weeks back this was going to be the way it was in terms of social distancing from a head coach perspective what's that been like in terms of soccer organizing drills from a socially distanced perspective for the for the team so far uh, this fall creative different testing at times but I said earlier uh, to the Bates student in the fall um, the, the student newspaper that this is this is a time when a lot of people deserve a lot of credit um, from the administration on down to certainly our students and student athletes doing what needs to be done so we can play the sports we love. Um, we've moved sort of through the protocols that athletic training, uh, sports medicine has laid out for us. And we've arrived fairly close to something that resembles um, a soccer game. Um, more than anything at this point with the mods, mod A, mod B, the way in which the kids are learning during this, um, during, the, during which, you know, the pandemic, I think it's now a situation where we're making the most of it. And it's ultimately uh, certainly a time during the day where they can have emotional release and then focus back on their academics. Sure. And I think another, a Bates student article profiled uh, Peter Bakken, a guy who was injured last year, came back this year, uh, what has he meant from a leadership perspective? I mean, being around the team, you know, considering that, you know, he didn't get to play much last season. And now, of course, unfortunately this year, you know, with the fall sports season being canceled. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, 
I think I told him once, it's the saddest thing I've ever heard, um, <laughs> to which he gave a wry smile. But um, it is what it is. And if anyone who's met Peter, um, kind of like the pandemic uh, in general, um, he's, he's making the most of it. So uh, it's been a huge loss. I think Bates men's soccer was poised and deserving of an All-American campaign that I've been telling anyone that wants to know, um, he would have been an All-American, um, one of his two senior soccer seasons. Uh, but that wasn't meant to be, and he's made impacts uh, different ways um, that I, I'm sure will resonate with this group that we currently have and future groups to come. Um, that's the type of man he is. Yeah, a lot of first years last year get their first taste of college soccer. What are you looking for them now as sophomores in this practice season type deal in terms of development? How are you, how are you looking for their growth? Cause you had 17 last year. Yeah. First of all, I love that you've coined it practice season. I, it's a practice, I know that's, right? um, <laughs> it's, it's what it is. It's yeah. what it is. Um, it's, it, we've been kind of saying we're playing with house money. Um, anything we get is, is, is extra here. It's gravy. So um, and more than anything, we had everybody come back. So I talked about in, in my first response, the idea of like, you know, buy-in was, was great. And uh, or at least I wanted to say that <laughs> the buy-in was great. We had everybody return on our team. And I, I can tell you uh, the first years that are now sophomores, uh, the first years that we currently have uh, this fall, the, the, the juniors that will soon be rising seniors in soccer years. Um, it's all been thrown a little bit out of whack uh, because of the potential use of potential use of eligibility but I tell them all that they're I feel like they're already a year older that's what like six months eight months of COVID has done to all of us so um it's been a joy we're still youthful I think and my dad's 76 and he tells me all the time age is a feeling <laughs> so um I hope that Batesman soccer is always eager always has the energy um regardless of of that massive class as they move through our ranks and, and become juniors, uh, soccer juniors, academic juniors next year. Um, but they're an impactful group. But all, the, the first years that have joined us have been terrific. They would have, they would have made an instant impact this fall as well. Um, and again, just going back to the, the Pater side of things, the, the, the scene, his now new senior class, Blaze Marceau, Jordan Cannon, David Goodstein, uh, Jason Seeger, and Quinn Kiernett, who we welcomed back after a year abroad in England, um, they're all fine men. So uh, we're going to miss them as well. Yeah, certainly. And I'm, I mean, I talked a little bit with, uh, you know, a couple other coaches about this, but, you know, the, the big picture is what is important, right? Keeping the program strong. As Peter Seamster said, this will end at some point, right? I mean, sure. go back to somewhat normal situation at some point. So how are you looking at it from a, from a big picture perspective? Peter Steinch is as good as it gets uh, in the coaching world. So we're preparing for, you know, the next time Bates men's soccer contests mass matches. The next time we have a season with a national championship, Bates men's soccer will be gunning for that. Uh, we, we expect to compete for NESCAC and national championships in 2021. And I told the Bates team when I arrived and it felt a little less my team to now it's all of ours. Uh, it's, you know, Phil is a little bit more my team, but it's all of ours. I love them to pieces, but I'm always looking to recruit new talent, new. And what that means is new, new, new men that can come in um, and kind of share 
um, share the load and share the responsibility of being a student athlete at Bates College. And it's standard that the, the current iteration of, of players we have have, have set. Um, so recruiting, I think, is at the forefront of what we do. But then on a daily basis, it's, it's what all of our programs do. It's the relationship building. It's the in the community. It's taking care of yourself. Uh, if that's as simple as um, staying fresh and mentally sharp and getting your grades in order and all of those sort of things. So I think that as much as as much as a lot has changed, again, going back to your first question, some things got to stay the same. It's, it's what we all want, right? And return to normalcy. For sure. And I think I heard you say this to the guys early on the fall, how, you know, they should see themselves as leaders on campus in terms of following all the COVID protocols and whatnot. How have you seen that from your, from your players? Cause I know, you know, eyes are certainly on them in the middle of Garcelon field or in the middle of Russell street field, so on and so forth. Right. We love that, but uh, we love, we love, being at Garth in the middle of campus by commons. And, you know, at one point I had that thought, I was like, ah, oh, I wish I, but no, there's, there's nothing to hide. We love, we love being out in and about amongst our fans. And I told them whenever we have a night practice, it's kind of, let's put on a show. Mm-hmm. Um, but they've been masking up and, and following protocols. Look, it's, it's nothing that we're not asking the rest of society to do. Never mind Bates College. Uh, if we get mask up as a society, we get through this thing easier and hopefully with the with the winter and colder weather coming we get through it easier so we've just been banging that drum um one of our our in our locker room or when we had a locker room last year um one of the one of the posters on it is hold each other accountable um so it's as simple as mask you know and in soccer there's a lot of symbols there's symbols for if a kid if, if someone dives or um you know time wasting stuff like that we now have a pretty simple symbol symbol where we take our our flat hand and we push it up meaning you know mask up get it above the nose get it above the get it above the mouth so certainly and then um well any other thoughts you want to share about the fall and what you've seen so far and what you're trying to accomplish before uh it gets a little too cold to be outside yeah we're we're trying to push uh if if all of the above uh isn't is is too generic um you know we're trying to push fitness levels we know you know, with the NESCAC slate and how academic it is, we're not always on top of the kids and vice versa. Um, we know we're going to have a longer winter break. We know when we come back, uh, the work that sports medicine and the testing center folks and all the volunteers have done, we just don't won't have the same indoor space. So it's, um, we're trying to push fitness levels for a little bit of that fitness melt that is bound to happen uh, in, in Maine um, during the winter months. But um, ultimately, I think when we get back out in the sun again and in the springtime, we expect to hit the ground running. Our, our guys will be looking forward to whatever will, will be allowed by the NESCAC administrators. Because, um, again, our, our attitude from the get-go has just been, been make the most of it. Certainly. Tyler Shake, thank you so much for joining us on the Bobcast. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Aaron. Next time on the Bates Bobcast, we'll celebrate our 200th episode with some special guests. That's next time on the Bates Bobcast. Bates, 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 Bates.